to you from White Plains, New York. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April the 29th, 2019, and we are reading from the big book. In the chapter, There is a Solution, page 23, the second paragraph, once in a while he may tell the truth, reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Alita J, Twelve Traditions, Judy F, and readers of the text, Lance L, Martha Z, and Rebecca F. The share ID numbers for Sunday, April the 28th, is one two eight three four. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Alita J to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Alita J, compulsive overeater in Wisconsin. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Alita J. 
and Judy F. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, I'm Judy S., a compulsive overeater from North Carolina. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Judy F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in the chapter, There is a Solution. We're on page 23, the second paragraph, once in a while he may tell the truth. Lantel, would you get us started, please? I sure will. Thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity. My name is Lantel, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from California. Once in a while, he may tell the truth. And the truth, strange to say, is usually that he has no more idea why he took that first drink than you have. 
Some drinkers have excuses with which they are satisfied part of the time. But in their hearts, they really do not know why they do it. Once this malady has a real hold, they are a baffled lot. There is the obsession that someday, or somehow, someday, they will beat the game. But they often suspect they are down for the count. So that first sentence, I mean, once in a while he may tell the truth. Um, Dishonesty is is the first thing that I go to, um, and especially after a relapse. So before I start, I want to welcome anyone who uh, has had a recent relapse, anyone who is brand new and has never heard anything that that is on this line. Um, You know, there's a solution, and I found it through this book. Um, but the thing is, is I've also relapsed after reading this book and, um, honesty, there was no honesty when I was in the food. Absolutely none. Um, it was all always self-searching. It was always about how am I going to feel different? What's everybody else going to think about what I've done now? Um, how do I get myself out of this? I've kind of backed myself up into this corner. Excuses just flew right through me. And, uh, you know, it it wasn't, I, I never made excuses until after I consumed my addictive foods. Um, before that, I was like this, this this statement right here, I was a baffled lot. I had no clue why I, I kept picking up the food and Sorry. picking it. I, 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 he said, is that Jennifer? And I said, yes. <laughs> picking it up for relief. Um, I always thought that I was going to win at some point. And uh, it's, it, it came a time of bouncing around on the bottom to finally get to that desperation where I was willing to do anything. And, uh, you know, simply to say, this book is not complicated. This solution is not complicated. It just takes a lot of effort. And it's it's not even things that I'm not capable of. Um, It's just things that I don't want to do. I don't want to self-search. I don't want to uh, work with others. And it's easier to sit in my own grief and, and desperation. It's easier to do that. But the alternative is that I'm going to be dying sooner. I'm going to be um, lonely. I'm going to be without people and, and, and stuck in my own um, filth. You know, the alternative to working hard at this, the solution to this, is that I grow and I understand myself and my fellows better and I'm closer to my higher power. And once I'm closer to my higher power, I'm further away from peanut M&Ms. And that's my solution today. So I appreciate uh, everyone who's on the line and uh, newcomers, open your ears up. There's someone and something that you're going to hear today that uh, is going to benefit you. And it did for me, and uh, I'll pass. Thank you, Lance L. 
The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last day or two to take this opportunity. Please this is share Charles your name H. just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who'd like to share? Camille G. Jason K. This is Larry K. Charles H. Yes, thank you, Charles. I got you. Vasa O. Okay, just let me tell you who I heard because I missed a couple of people. I've got Charles H., Camille G., Jason, Larry K., and Vasa O. Did I miss somebody? No? Okay, let's go with that lineup. So we're starting with Charles H., followed by Camille G. Please go ahead, Charles. Good morning, Lynn, and thank you for your service. I'm here. I'd just like to give the moderator a second because I'll be stepping too much, man. And uh, I want to drill down where it says, um, always trying to beat the game. Uh, you, know, in my, you know, in my life, um, I realized, you know, through experience and through living life that, you know, if I take shortcuts, I'm going to get cut short. I always try to beat the game fast, you know, uh, maybe eat everything, maybe eat dinner for breakfast, all types of schemes. And we're going to hear about them schemes on page 31 when we get to more about alcoholism, right? Um, I always try to beat the game, but I'm so dishonest. And in my dishonesty and my fear and my other two uh, character defects, I always try to beat the game out of fear, dishonesty, selfishness. I never, I, you know, I didn't care. I wanted to cheat all the time. But today, I, you know, I just want to win the game one day at a time. What up, bro, bro? And right now I'm here with sanitation, and I'm taking out the garbage, and I'm taking out the garbage one day at a time, and that's how I win the game one day at a time. So I'm going to leave some time on the clock. That's all I wanted to say. I'm off this. Thank you, Charles H. Camille G., it's your turn, followed by Jason K. Good morning. This is Camille G. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, once in a while, he may tell the truth, and the truth, strange to say, is usually that he has no more idea why he took that first drink than you have. Actually, um, I always had the idea of why I took the first drink. It was to quell anxiety. It was to quell discomfort. Um, I lived in discomfort and anxiety 24-7 and knew, always knew that eventually my hands would go from whatever it was into my mouth to to shift how I felt. And then I had this innate, this amazing ability to just live in this other reality while that was all going on until I had to come out, until I chose to come out of that reality. And the only way I could ever do it was by absolute surrender, was absolutely getting on my knees and just begging God to please help me. Um, uh, yeah, and figuring out why I do it, that, that never, I can do that, but it never, and it never solves the problem. Um, and I was often baffled because I never could figure out in my own heart of hearts what it would take for me to finally quote unquote get it. And um, the getting it for me is Either I'm moving toward God or I'm moving away from God. And when I'm moving toward God, I'm moving further away from substances that will enter my mouth, that I will put into my mouth to alter my reality. Um, Yeah, and I'm just happy to be honed in on this paragraph this morning. Thank you. 
Thank you, Camille G. Jason K., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning, everybody. Jason K., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic from outside Philadelphia. Um, you know, once in a while we may tell the truth, and it's just why we don't know why we take that first uh, bite. We don't know why we keep eating compulsively. I spent a lot of years um, going to different therapists, you know, exploring the question, why do I eat? Now, if I, uh, I'll tell somebody sometimes I'm a compulsive eater and they'll say, oh yeah, I'm an emotional eater too. And I'm not an emotional eater, I'm a compulsive eater, which means I have a progressive fatal illness, a disease, which includes this allergy of the body, which compels me to keep eating when I eat, when I first start. Uh, and people hear, oh, oh yeah, I'm a, an emotional eater. So I'll go to a therapist and I'll say, I'm depressed. I'm eating compulsively. Well, why are you eating compulsively? I don't know, I'm just stressed. So if the answer to me eating compulsively is stressed, why don't I take care of the stress in my life? Why don't I change jobs and do some mindfulness and meditation or do some exercise? The problem is over time and over many therapist couches, I realized I was eating when I was stressed. I was eating when I was happy. I was eating when it was sunny outside. I was eating when it was raining, raining outside. I was eating in relationships, out of relationships. And eventually, I have the compulsive urge come up and I start to explore why, you know, I start to explore it, start to try to figure out why is it there and, and looking for some solution, but misguided in my uh, attempt to look for the solution, trying to uh, arrange the externals. And I go to OA meetings and I try to talk about my day and try to talk about my problems. But it was under this delusion that if I could just somehow manage well in my life, uh, I wouldn't have to eat compulsively if I could just control and manage my life somehow. If I could just not get too hungry or too angry or too lonely or too tired, maybe, just maybe, I could, I could stay away from the food. I could, you know, beat the game, so to speak. And uh, this, this led me down a path, just circling the toilet bowl, um, leading to pitiful and comprehensible demoralization. So what we're, what we're doing here, and if you're new here, this book is trying to qualify us. So it's trying to help us identify, like lay this paragraph up against our own experience and try to see if it makes sense. Because um, for me, it absolutely made sense. I was so deeply confused, so deeply um, uh, just depressed and discouraged, trying to understand why I eat, seeking out you know, hypnosis and therapy and um, different uh, spiritual paths, trying to fix this problem uh, this compulsion, this uh, irrevocable desire, the desire leading me irrevocably back into the food again and again. Um, so uh, I identify with this and what that helps me do today, uh, identifying with it even to, today, um, is I accept that I have this problem and I uh, run towards the solution and accept the solution. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Jason Kay. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Vasa O. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you for your service. The um, yes, w- once this malady is a real hold, they are a baffled lot. There is the obsession that somehow, someday, they will beat the game, but they often suspect they're down for the count. You know why? Do, why do we succumb to this addiction? You know, some people 
seem to manage and survive this disease and, and even manage their lives with it while others succumb to their addiction. I'll never forget um, speaking to a, a, a mother of a, a person who, who died in her addiction. And it struck me, she said that her, her daughter's death was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time. See, I'm, I'm among the, the baffled lot of people who can't figure out why I can't stay stopped. And, and I desperately want to know someday, somehow, can, how can I beat the game and prove that I'm not powerless? But in my heart of hearts, I know that I'm, 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 I'm out of luck. I know that I'm cornered. You know, and, and um, if, if, if you don't know anyone that's died in this, this disease, this progressive disease, just hang around a while. And you will there there's you know it's sad to say when I look at this there's someone that might be on the line right now who will unfortunately die as the result of their their baffled paralysis in the midst of of good intentions they have good intentions they don't do they do not intend to die of this disease they needed and they wanted this relief, and yet they died. The people, some of the people I know, as the as the result of not having a spiritual awakening from disregarding, you know, working the steps, and and they're not bad people. I know people who have died on the sidelines, you know, all the while waiting to be sprinkled with pixie dust, you know, waiting for a, a feeling here. It's a baffling disease. I found a solution. We're in the chapter. There is a solution. I found a solution. I didn't create the solution. It happened to me. I can speak um, about it in the sense that it, that it happened. I, I worked these steps, and something changed. There was a shift. Everything changed. And while I'm still an imperfect person, there's no doubt I'm not suffering from compulsive eating as long as I stay on this pathway, this, this way of life. It's a spiritual way of life. It's the, there's not a, a spiritual part of the program and then a, this part of the program. The whole program at its very core and foundation is spiritual in nature. It's designed to produce an essential shift in who we are as human beings so that we can be comfortable in our skin and manage our lives without killing ourselves with, this, with the food. I'm grateful for it. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Vasa O, it's your turn. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, I was baffled when I came to my first meeting and when I, when I was 12-step by a, my friend about Overeaters Anonymous and about the 12 steps. I had no clue no understanding about food addictions. And I, the only thing I remember thinking, that I just love to read. I don't know. I don't know why I'm eating. I was baffled. I did not know what I did not know. And it's not like I didn't try to put the food down. I tried many, 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 many times. I just couldn't. I could put it down for a little bit, but I could never keep it down. And... Uh, I'm just so grateful I found the solution and that I could surrender to the higher power, to the 12 steps, to the meetings, whatever it took, you know, to, to, to get uh, healed from this disease. And um, 
I am grateful for the people when I see them, when they talk about their relapse and I learned from them, I said, you know, I don't want to ever, ever go back there because there might be not a return for me. I had a friend that was in the program and they opened up a donut place, you know, of all the places and she just licked her finger and that was the end of it. And it killed her. And I knew another person. It's, oh, I don't ever, ever go back there. If you're a newcomer, please keep your mind open. And I heard, go to six meetings. If you, if you don't like the first meeting, go to another meeting. But you cannot find any meeting, the, the meeting that we have every morning here, the vision for you. I'm so grateful for this meeting. And yes, I go to other meetings, but not as many face-to-face. So the solution is here. Follow the direction. I mean, this is my experience, and I don't ever, ever have to go back to the food. If I work the steps, I don't have the craving any longer. The obsession is gone. It's lifted. I have a life I never thought I I ever imagined I could have without the food. It's a better life. Thank you for letting me share that. Thank you, Vasa. Oh, for those of us who may have come on the line a little bit later, we are on page 23, the second paragraph, once in a while. So if you'd like to share, I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last day or two to take this opportunity. And please say your name just once. It helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Chuck K. from Georgia. Melissa K. Kelly S. Okay, I've got Chuck C. Sorry, Chuck K, Melissa C, Kelly E Y S. Who else is there? Terry C. Anyone else? Rossana. Okay. There I got our I got our lineup. There was somebody before Hoodie, but I'll tell you who I have. Chuck K, Melissa C, Kelly S. Karen C, Russ M. Let's go with that lineup and we'll pick everybody else up the next time, thanks. Chuck K, it's your turn, followed by Melissa C. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Chuck K from Georgia. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Hey, good morning. You know, I was thinking that 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 description, I'm a baffled lot, describes me perfectly before program and Man, I didn't know why I did the things I did. I just knew that they were unhealthy, both in terms of what I was eating, how I was treating people, how I was living my life. And then I picked up this book, and I started reading it, and I started applying it to my life. And I think one of my favorite passages out of this book is uh, there's a vast amount of fun in it all. And that is certainly what I have been experiencing, both in terms of the people that I'm meeting in program, the things that I'm doing in program, my sponsor, my sponsorees, all the work that I'm doing, um, it keeps my mind off of the things that are normally be driving me crazy, those emotions that would build up that would drive me into the food. And then also my home life, there are things that I'm doing now that I, that I didn't get to do before. There are things to come. There's a couple of things that I really want to do so very badly, but I'm still a little bit too heavy to do them, and I can't wait to do them. I cannot wait. And so 
we talked um, last week about why, and 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 I guess that's a question that I'll ask sometimes when I'm being selfish, when I'm being self-centered, when I'm being immature. Why this? Why that? Doesn't matter why. There's a solution. That's what matters. And if I have a solution, why am I wasting my time thinking about the why I did what I did question? It, it just doesn't matter. So I hope I can have that attitude every day. I hope I can help other people every day. I hope I can serve God every day and then reap the benefits from all of that action that I'm taking in my life. So there's a vast amount of fun in it all. If you'll, if you'll pick up the book, do the things that you're being told by your sponsor or other people on this line, and just experience a great joy in your life. Um, and I'll, I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck K. Melissa C., it's your turn, followed by Kelly S. Hi. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, one of the things that helped me tremendously um, get uh, get abstinent, you know, and get this piece of recovery was um, people who had the same problem as me, who shared um, all the excuses that they believed in, you know, that got them to eat. And when I heard it come out of other people's mouths, um, it was like, oh, yeah, that that's crazy, <laughs> you know, because, um, you know, in my mind, those excuses that that had me pick up the food again and again and again, they were, they made perfect sense in the moment, you know, like in that moment. I remember thinking, well, how could I possibly put down, you know, sugar? How could I possibly never eat cake again? Like my mind locked in on that. Because someday, you know, I'm going to be at my daughter's wedding. You know, that was like, and and I think my daughter was like a toddler at the time. That was the lie that would like hook me. Or, you know, I can't start today because I'm going away next week. You know, I would have every intention of putting the food down. And two hours later, my mind was locking on an event that was somewhere in the future. Uh, and that was an excuse. You know, my, my excuses were... Um, we're like, you know, the dog had an accident on the rug. Of course you're going to eat. You know, it was everything. And, you know, the reason those excuses worked um, is we're finding out is because um, the problem exists in my mind. And my mind creates the perfect lie, the perfect excuse to get permission to do, you know, what it is that it's compelled to do. So every excuse made perfect sense. And, you know, and so I think it's really important that um, when we work with others, that we that we lay out all those ridiculous, ridiculous excuses in front and have them, you know, have a conversation based on, um, yeah, this is one lie. This is another lie. This is another lie. Because, um, None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense unless you're actually in that moment and the food is calling to you and then they all make sense. And and, and the problem is that um, it's a form of insanity. And unless you fully concede that you have this type of crazy, um, you're not going to be willing 
to admit complete defeat and do the rest of the work. That was my experience. But when I recognize that I'm screwed, my, my mind is crazy. Thank you. That my mind is crazy. There is no other alternative but to do the work laid out. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Kelly S., it's your turn, followed by Terry C. Good morning, Lynn. It's Kelly S. in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Grateful to be on the line. So um, I just wanted to share uh, how this is pretty much how I felt after being in these rooms for 30-plus um, years. Um, of course, you know, I felt that way before. But the problem was, you know, I'd been here, <clears throat> came in when I was 16, came back and stayed since I was 20 and I'm 56. And um, and I really, truly thought I had been working this program. You know, I I had had several big books. I had several 12 and 12s. I had every piece of AA and OA literature you could imagine. I've gone to all the other things. You know, I've uh, been in treatment since I've been in program. You know, I've gone to workshops. I've gone to retreats. I've gone to conventions. I've heard some of the best speakers. I've had some of the best sponsors. You know, I've answered all the little booklets you can do with all the questions, and it wasn't working. <clears throat> and um, and so I was a baffled lot. You know, I just figured that was it. You know, there was an obsession that somehow someday they will beat the game. I just thought if I just kept trying, I just kept doing this, you know. But I, I just pretty much figured I was down for the count, that I, I don't know what the deal was. I was working this program. I was doing everything they were telling me to do. So I thought, right? You know, they say we don't know what we don't know, so we can't see what we can't see, and that was the problem. I'd never been introduced to this book the way that Vision for You has told me about it, you know? I never understood the instructions were laid out. I got really focused on the tools. One of the things I've learned, the tools are super important, but I can use these tools every day and never work the steps. But if I am truly working these steps, I have to use the tools. So it is not a tool program, but I need these tools. But I was so confused until I started until I started listening to you guys and understanding I had to read this book from the beginning, follow the instructions. First of all, put the food down 100% black and white. That was the thing that I didn't understand. That was the part I wasn't willing to tell the truth about, right? And I also didn't understand it. You know, so now I know the truth. You guys told me what to do. I've got the instructions laid at my feet. Follow these instructions. Like it says in the big book, work these steps. Have a higher power, you know. And guess what? Four and a half years now, I am a recovered woman. Never thought I would be. You know, I was baffled. I thought it wasn't going to work for me. So I really feel today I, I have a... I have a story of hope for you guys who've been around, for newcomers too, you know, but if you have been here and you've been in and out of these rooms and you feel like you've tried everything and you're baffled going, it doesn't work, this 12-step program doesn't work, guess what? It does, but you've got to do it right. You've got to put your food down 100%. You have to be abstinent and you have to work it in order and you have to do it day in, day out, have a higher power, and it's a WE program. And with this, I'll wrap up. I am no longer a baffled lot. There is a solution, and it's this my higher power through this big book. Glad to be here. Thank you, Kelly S. Terry C., it's your turn, followed by Russ M. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for hearing me. Um, this is Terry C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. And every time I read this paragraph, I have a, 
I have the distinct flashback, um, especially when I read, we have excuses that were satisfied with part of the time. Um, I had excuses. I, I always remember my husband asking me, how can you eat another piece of that? How can you eat another piece of that when you've just had so many? Because as a normal eater, he couldn't fathom excess. He couldn't fathom what I wasn't considering excess. And this just always brings me now to the doctor's opinion. I could never distinguish the true from the false because here's the excuses that I use. With my husband, the excuse I used was that, how could he not? This was so good. He had no appreciation for the food that I had an appreciation for. The other excuses I used, ethnically, I had a background where food was enjoyed and and it was, you know, it was splendor and we, you know, pretty much worshipped it to a point that I didn't think it was worship. Um, and then in college, I can remember thinking, well, they didn't come from the background I came from. They didn't have a broken family. They didn't have those things which, you know, needed to be, they didn't need the coddling with food that I needed. You know, I had these insane excuses. You know, I remember thinking, well, they didn't have the job I had later in life. You know, they don't have the responsibility I have. Or they didn't have the tremendous loss that I had in my life. Like, these are the excuses that somehow in my mind, you know, this, this mind that was educated, you know, that has, a, you know, a graduate degree, somehow in my mind I was thinking these are plausible excuses. And, and all they were were they were desperation for trying to put logic to something that had no logic it had no logic and it says they're often they often suspect they're down for the count I can still remember being in front of the mirror in the ladies room where I had just ripped the tags off the dress in a higher size at a convention I was at because I needed to buy that dress to fit into something and thinking oh my god I'm just I'm doomed like that's the point at which one of the points, low points at which I realized I was doomed. So I guess I too want to just voice that if you're new, and these are some of the excuses, these are some of the falsities that get you through whatever they get you through, we don't have to be tied to them anymore. There is a freedom and a joy that comes from knowing we have no power. We have no power over any of this. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Terry C. Russ M., it's your turn. Good morning, Link. Good morning, visionaries. Russ M., recovered compulsive over here outside of Philly. Excuses. Man, I had a lot of excuses. Whew. Even coming into program, you know, thinking about it, oh, oh, man, it was, you know, I was molested. Or my my dad and grandfathers were alcoholics, and, and I had a terrible upbringing as a, as a youngster and and all that and then even on a on a in a more specific level you know like ah bad day at work uh, things are not going my way so i you know but in the back of my mind i knew there was always this issue with food you know whether any of that happened it was always going to be food it's the way i'm wired why i don't know that's that's the problem i spent too many years trying to figure out why and it just brought it brought me down to to the worst place you could ever be and you know uh 
it's nothing. It's nothing. This this why thing is the solution that we have here, right? Now I know. I guess I didn't know what was going on until I had to figure out until I found out what was going on. And you know, it, it to me, it, it, it's acceptance, and I hate that word. I hate it. I don't want to accept anything. But to really make sense of it and not be a baffled lot, I have to accept I'm just a bottom barrel food drunk. This is who I am. And then things start to make a little sense. And then I have a, I have a way of moving forward. So I, I had a lot, lot of excuses. And, you know, even in program, you know, I'm still even working the steps. I'm still trying to make excuses of why my life is the way it is. You know, sometimes it's just the way it is because it's the way it is. And I have to grow up, pull up my big boy pants, work this program, and try to live a, a semblance of uh, peace and serenity. So, y'all have a great day. I love you. Thank you very much. I'll pass. Thank you, Russ M. Just a reminder to people who might have come on a little bit later that we are on the chapter page 23. There is a solution. The second paragraph, once in a while, he may tell the truth. So I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last day or two to please take this opportunity. And please say your name just once. It helps me hear you. Who would like to share? Okay, all I heard was Leslie W., but I know there were people ahead of her. Who was there, please? Carly Anita. Hoodie R. Anita L. Okay, let me tell you who I heard, and I apologize for those who I didn't hear. I've got Leslie W., Judith R., Hoodie R., Anita, and Donna G. So I think that's about all we can take. So, Leslie W., could you start us off, please, followed by Judith R. Yes, I will. Thank you so much for your service today. This is Leslie W., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. And I uh, I knew that I was beaten um, when I threw a baby shower for a friend of mine. And at the end of that shower, after everybody had left, I dove into that cake. And it was like an out-of-body experience. (laughs) It was like I floated above myself going, who are you eating this cake, this entire cake, by yourself with nobody else around, like a ravenous animal? Who are you? And, you know... I had so many, we're talking about the excuses this morning. I had so many excuses. Oh, I just had a baby, so, you know, it doesn't matter if I have, I have I have time to get the weight off, you know. People will understand. People will give me a pass. Oh, I'm nursing, so I need more calories for my baby. Or people, people will be offended if I don't eat the food that they're bringing over to me. Um, <clears throat> if I eat in the middle of the night, it doesn't count because there's nobody else around to see me. Um, these are the kinds of things that I told myself. And they made sense at the time. They made perfect sense to me and my head. <laughs> but my head was sick. My, my head, my brain was sick, and I didn't know it. 
and a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. I had no true perspective on reality. Um, my reality was skewed. And I had given up all hope. I had been in OA for five years, going on six, and I couldn't keep the food down. I couldn't do it. And I went to meeting after meeting after meeting. And the only thing that changed for me was when I first dialed in to Vision for You. And I heard somebody say that they were a recovered compulsive overeater. And I had lost all hope before I heard that word, that I would ever get better. I was about to lose my marriage. I was about to lose everything that I held dear in my life. I cared more about the food than I did about being with my kids. I cared more about the food than I did myself, for sure. For sure, I hated myself. And that is why I love this meeting, and that is why I'm so glad that I, I finally heard the real solution and not just the problem being regurgitated over and over and over and over again ad nauseum. And when I heard that I word see. recovered, I knew, I knew there was hope. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Leslie W. Judith R., it's your turn, followed by Hoodie R., Thank you, moderator. This is Judith. I recovered in Vermont, gratefully. I I had no idea why, and I had spent many years in psychiatrists trying to figure it out, but I just distinctly remember I was I was a restrictor. I was always, always, always on a diet. And if I didn't binge for a month, I would start thinking... Why did I make such a big deal out of that that oh that food problem that I used to have? But I remember distinctly being in the kitchen and suddenly giving myself permission to eat whatever the heck I wanted. And I thought it was like, ah, oh, finally freedom. Ha! Huh, I can override that super ego or whoever it is who's been causing me to diet all this time, stupid person that that is. Now I can be free and starting to eat. And in my brain, I would say, bingo, okay, now I can binge. And of course, the joy lasted um, nine seconds. I I don't remember, but the self-hatred jumped on me and started to beat me to a pulp. <clears throat> then when I finished eating, I wouldn't be able to stand up, so I'd, I'd be hunched over, go to the bathroom, and then go to bed and be depressed when I woke up. So the why never did anything. Um, the only thing that helped was the how do I stop And the only how do I stop was when I found out that I had been doing the steps sort of haphazardly over all the years. And when I found out how to do them methodically, hallelujah, it's a new world. And I have a new definition of what a spiritual experience is. A spiritual experience is when I stop acting like a jerk, when I stop being selfish and inconsiderate and judgmental and I couldn't be more grateful. With that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Judith R. Hoodie R, it's your turn, followed by Anita. Hoodie, please go ahead. Thank you so much for, for leading today. This is Hoodie R, recovered from Israel. And, um, you know, once in a while he may tell the truth. And the truth, you know, once in a while I was not able to tell. I did not know the truth from the false. You know, I couldn't, def- I couldn't, I, to uncover something in my mind that I could not get to the point that I was a compulsive overeater, that I had this disease. And once this malady has a real hold, they are a baffled lot. There's an obsession that somehow, someday, they're going to beat that game. And that was true for me. Every, I just considered, I thought over and over that I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to be able to figure out how to eat in moderation. I'm going to be able to figure out and beat this game what you guys tell me, what all of you tell me, you know what, maybe it's true for you, but I don't have this problem. I could just go on living the way I was living. And, you know, I was doing some reading in, um, you know, in the personal stories in the back of the book, and I just, you know, mere cessation from drinking is not enough for an alcoholic while the need for that drink goes on. I switched to beer. I had always hated but now I grew to love it, so that wasn't my answer either. And, you know, all my life I would figure out, okay, you know, I'm going to be okay in my own skin. I'm going to be okay and all right. If only I could find something that I'd like to do. If only I could be busy enough and um, and, and get enough jobs, get a full-time job, look for something that's going to, you know, get a, get, a, get a degree in a high, in, you know, be, um, be highly um, one of those high trainers, be the um, – the CIA or, like, you know, get a good, solid job from 9 to 5, make all that money in the world. You know what? That's that's just my problem. If I just have – if I'm just okay, if I'm just – everyone's going to be looking down at me, I'm going to be okay, and I'm not going to want to eat. But you know what? I just continued on, on in my disease, on with the food. No matter I, – I ate through all of these, um, you know, courses, ate through getting jobs, um, just looking to fill that hole within me. And meanwhile, nothing happened, and I just stayed dormant. I had to come to that realization for myself. No, this disease is out to get me. It's going to kill me. And I had to put the, food, put, the, put, the, put the food in the jug and say, that's it, no more. But, you know, I didn't only have to put the food down. I had to get going, get working on this, pro, on the, on the, working the steps as if my life depends on it, not depend on tools. Yes, the tools are very, very important in my recovery today, but I had to work these steps as if my hair was on fire because it was, and um, um, I was going to die if I was not. And you know what, today I can, tell, I can clearly tell you, if you're new out there, you know, there is hope. You don't have to live the way you are living. And just come to that surrender and say, that's it. I had enough. I'm never going to be there again. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Hoodyar. Anita, it's your turn, followed by Donna G. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share here. Um, I wanted to share today because... I am one of those people who kept going back into the food. Uh, when I came to OA, I, you know, just thought that I loved food. That was it. And that's why I kept eating. And then I learned that I had a disease. And that helped. And then another 
thing happened and then the excuses began and it wasn't until um I really reached a desperate point and something happened uh 6 months ago 6 7 months ago and that was my bottom I pray to god that was my bottom and I finally realized, you know, the food is preventing me from enjoying life. And I have so much that I can enjoy from this point forward. I mean, my son is uh, 30. Soon he will marry. I want to be there with him, his future wife, my grandchildren, future grandchildren. My husband, we're both retired. You know, everything is laid at our feet. Now I can reap all the years that I worked so hard and can enjoy what's out there. And the food just kept coming back. And finally, from this desperation point, you know, I remember a couple uh, New Year's days ago, about two or three years ago, uh, Lori C. said, how free do you want to be? And I want it all. I want that freedom. I want to be able to walk anywhere. And I can today. And it's such a gift. And I've been on cruises. I've been, you name it. It doesn't matter. The food, I'm neutral with the food for today. And that brings up another point. It is just one day at a time. And I am such a low gutter compulsive overeater that I have to work it and do everything and I'm so grateful that I am doing so much to increase my spiritual life I finally get it finally so I'm so grateful and yesterday I went to an event and uh, I knew it was going to be a tricky one for me not with food uh, just emotionally and I was just about, I had my hand almost on the doorknob. Time, and then, Okay. Uh, I just just want to finish this thought. I grabbed the doorknob and realized I must bring my higher power in with me. And together we could do what I could never do alone. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Anita L. And Donna G., you've got a little less than two minutes. If you'd like that, please go ahead. Sure. So this is Donna G. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. And um, I just wanted to share on the reading um, the part about uh, we thought we could beat the game. Uh, that really that really spoke to me because um, I come from a family who likes to uh, they like to play games of chance. Let's put it that way. <laughs> And um, that's what it made me think about the, you know, the ridiculousness of um, almost, you know, put, putting putting money or putting, you know, whatever into um, thinking something's going to um, bring about a bigger, bigger return um, than what I put in when it's set up to take my money or take whatever I'm putting into it. So. I mean, I, I, it, it's ridiculous, and yet that's what it feels like to me. Um, when I was, when I was into the food, 
Um, I, you know, it's, it's insanity. It's, it's, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and somehow I'm going to get better results. Um, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to, you know, make things my way and somehow my way, um, will make me win. Um, so I, I just say, I'll just end by saying that if it's ridiculous to, uh, believe in this program and, and put my faith in, my higher power and uh, my my complete faith and abandon myself to my higher power, um, then so be it. That that's what I'll be doing because it, the returns um, are unbelievable and the returns of the game I was playing were were nothing but a very certain death um, that I had coming on for sure. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Donna G. And thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Monday, Alita J, Judy F, Lance L, Martha Z, Rebecca F, Jason K, and Craig F. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today's meeting, Monday, April the 29th, 7 a.m., is 12836. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Lynn. Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.